Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. C.J. Baird with the ball right now. He was a walk-in after trial. He'll put up a three. Oh, put it in! What a highlight! What a highlight indeed to have Kevin Harlan calling your tournament three-pointer. Bang! Oh, it's beautiful. Welcome back into the program. Our good buddy C.J. Baird, former Michigan Wolverine. Played on the hoop squad there for four years. Incredible stuff there. Kevin Harlan, of all people, to call you that highlight. It's beautiful. CJ, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? How's life? How are things? Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. I mean, things have been great. And I think that's so cool. Again, like you said, like Kevin Harlan calling your shot. This is the stage the NCAA tournament brings. And you see the games that came up this weekend. I mean, it was just phenomenal to watch. Having some of the best commentators best players, best teams all together in one spot in the best tournament in the of the year. I mean, it's been a great few it's been a great weekend weekend for me just watching basketball and uh, I'm excited that Michigan made the sweet sixteen. I mean obviously that's phenomenal. Uh, if five consecutive sweet sixteen trips, I mean that's it, it feels kind of almost unprecedented. I mean, you know, around around these parts, I mean, to make the tournament five straight years uh, for any program is pretty good, but to make five consecutive Sweet 16s, like that speaks volume to the overall health of the program. Yeah, and I think, like you said, the, the program is so healthy to the point that, like, for the last four years, I think mean, we, didn't, we didn't even have, like, the highest level recruits. It was all about the Michigan culture. It was all about what what was there at the time. And I think what's really important to note is guys like the consistent guys, like a guy like Eli Brooks that's been there for those. He's been there for, wow, yeah, I think he's been there for the last four tournaments. He has been, if he didn't have the one in 2020, the consistency across the board there. I mean, it's what's important. Guys that stay a long time, maintain the culture, and then it carries on. So he knows what it's like to win. And he's teaching these young guys how to do it. And now they're experiencing it just at the right time. I mean, it's just all falling to Michigan right now, and I'm loving every second of it. Oh, me too. You know, CJ, there's so many haters out there. They tell me Jawan Howard isn't the real coach. It's Phil Martelli. Even though Phil Martelli's like, Jawan and Howard Isley put this playbook together. And even though, like, <laughs> even though one of our great scribes of college basketball, Brendan Quinn of The Athletic, he, he covered Martelli for years. He's like, no, this isn't anything like what Martelli ran uh, previously out there in the East Coast there. And it's like, all right, you know, everybody, every the players, they're all talking about Jawan Howard and the difference. But yet some guy who's not watching the games wants to comment about how Jawan isn't the coach. I laugh at it. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's so great to see all the success. I don't want to get too over the top and too arrogant here. Uh, but I did see when calling the uh, Michigan women's game against Villanova uh, in their second round game, 
Michigan celebrating. They advanced the Sweet 16, second time in three years. Congratulations, KBA, Nas Hillman. Uh, she's an absolute beast. There's no stopping her. She's the best player they've ever had in program history. But as Villanova's coming off the court, players are in tears. You know, we saw Juwan Howard. Uh, it's only one of the Tennessee players afterwards. There's just something that's so finite about the NCAA tournament. Something that like you don't know if it's going to be your last game, and then all of a sudden, boom, it is your last game, and everything's over. What's that like as a player? I think knowing that there's potential, like potentially could just be the end. Like like you said, I think it's important to note that every game you go into, you have to play it like it's your last because it very well could be. And I think that adds, sometimes that adds a lot of pressure to some of the players because you don't want it to end. And you'll do, and I think a lot of guys will try to do anything in their power to not let it end. So you see games like this past weekend, like Arizona and TCU. I mean, I think Arizona out, outclasses TCU in almost every way possible, talent, size, everything. But TCU, because it's like this could be our last game, you saw that additional extra firepower in March. And I think that's what Michigan has really brought the last couple of days. I mean, they go in the kind of underrated as an 11 seed. People were saying they shouldn't have been in the tournament. And I know Coach Howard is really doing a good job of saying, hey, look, this could be our last game. But what happens is people undervalued what we did. So other teams are going to come in here and say, all right, I mean, they're an 11 seed. So what? It's like, we're better than them. We're a higher seed. Michigan goes in there with that underdog mentality, which I think they always play better when there's an underdog mentality. It's the trend that I've been seeing the last four years. These guys come in there. They think it's like, it could be our last game, but we're going to do everything in our power. Even if they have a better player, they have a better coach, they have a better preparation, we're going to do everything right here, right now to prevent that. And I think you've seen that in the way they played the last two games. You know, looking at everything from a, a from a maze and blue lens here, you know, to be able to see Illinois, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, and Brad Davison in Wisconsin, and the Izzo kids, to see them all lose in like a 48-hour span, I mean, my goodness. I mean, you talk about icing on the cake. But the Big Ten as a whole, CJ, that does not look good. I mean, nine bids. At the end of the day, when everybody gets into the tournament, I hope everybody plays well and has fun. Nobody gets injured. Everybody have a good time. And as a fan of college basketball whoever you root for I hope hopefully your team does well and and has a good year and you get to enjoy it right but the Big Ten with only two teams out of nine bids to the Sweet 16 why is that I mean we we talk about the Big Ten as if it's the best league in the country how come when it comes to tournament time they've been struggling so much recently so I I think a lot of it goes into and this is why I also was preface this by saying that I think this is also why Michigan's had success in the tournament is because of the lack of preparation and like kind of you're playing teams on a quick basis. It's not like the Big Ten tournament where you've seen these teams all year and you can just play them the next day and you already have something put together. I think coaches really struggle putting together a comprehensive game plan because unless you're like on this week-long break between the round of 32 and the Sweet 16, you don't have the time to put together this like solid really solid personnel charts, really time to put together like what plays we're going to run, kind of plan everything out. And I think the Big Ten is so focused on planning everything out. A lot of coaches have a lot of different plays they run, a lot of different, a lot of different defenses that they play to match up well within the conference. But when you get out into like the NCAA tournament, a lot of these teams have better athletes, better guard play, which I think is something that you and I had mentioned off the air it's tougher to prepare for a completely different style of play than you're used to seeing. Like the Big Ten, and I think you mentioned this again, is known for its big men, like its big players, like Hunter Dickinson, Trayvon Williams, Zach Eady, Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis. 
those guys are all center, and they're like the best players in the conference, all Americans in their own right. And then you got you go to the NCAA tournament and you see a lot of different style of players. You see like quicker guards from the ACC, long athletic wings and bigs from the SEC. I mean, there's there's a lot going on here, and I think the Big Ten teams and players are so set in their mentally in their mental preparation of running all the stuff that coaches say that when it just comes down to game time, sometimes they're just not ready when they just need to react. And I think that's made it tough for the Big Ten the last few years. In in the Big Ten, you mentioned the big guys. I mean, Big Ten, big league, big stage, big deal, you know, seven-footers every year at Purdue, Kofi Coburn, obviously, Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson, right? It's a very, you know, very every team seems to have somebody 6'11", 7 feet tall. They, these kind of kids don't grow on trees. But then you get in the tournament, you mentioned guard play, and that's where teams really have to come together. You look at Jaden Ivey, okay, plays really well uh, against Texas, and, and he's going to be able to keep them afloat. But on the Michigan side of things, no Devontae Jones in game number one with a concussion. However it happened, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. What am I like? How am I supposed to have an opinion on that? Like, I don't know. I wasn't there. He could have fallen over and <laughs> fell on the steps for all I know. How the, what the hell? Uh, but Frankie Collins comes in and Frankie Collins gives him 31 minutes of incredible basketball. And I'm a big Frankie Collins fan because I believe he plays with the pace that Juwan Howard ultimately wants to play with. Now, that might mean 100 miles an hour right into the stanchion, and who knows, it could be a turnover, but he plays aggressive, he plays fearless. He doesn't have the outside shot quite yet, although he did hit the first three in that game against Colorado State. All in all, I really like what he's brought to the table. And you're talking about a young man that's really got to grow up on the fly with that very finite feeling of, hey, this could be it. This is really good, what I think for Michigan. This could be a blessing in disguise because this could be the leader of the floor general, if you will, for the next few years at Michigan. Yeah, and I think I want to give you I want to give you credit where credit is due. You've been saying this all year about Frankie. You and I have talked about this. You've been saying this on the air. Frankie Collins just needed that time to step in and really prove what he can do. He can play at a high pace. He's a strong, strong defender. And I think what's good for him is at least for this year, was playing with guys like Eli Brooks, Devontae Jones, guys that know what it takes to win. Because as you saw against against Colorado State, he played more within himself. And I guess also against Tennessee, too. He wasn't trying to do anything too crazy all the time. I think he kind of reeled it in, figured out, like, okay, we're not going to win by me going 1,000 miles per hour all the time. He really controlled the pace and really he stepped it up when he needed to, but he also slowed it down, got guys organized. I mean, that that's that's a sign of maturity at a really, really high-pressure situation that you don't often see from freshmen. And I think it's good for him to have been playing, again, with guys like Devontae and Eli. He's seen them do it, and he's seen them succeed doing it. So now when he gets his chance on the biggest stage, he goes and does that. I mean, it shows a lot of guts that the kid has, and it's a really a big testament to the culture that Michigan has. Michigan beats Tennessee. They also beat Colorado State by coming back after a first half deficit. And it's something that, you know, obviously we don't want to see that. That'd be great if they could just, you know, lead at halftime, lead at the end of the game and go on and win. And everybody, you know, we're not sweating at halftime, right? And I was sweating profusely at halftime because I was real nervous because we saw a very uncharacteristic, you know, this team was turning the ball over like crazy against Tennessee. They felt, you know, it looked like they had the jitters. I was getting the jitters watching them. And, and they, they found a way to win both of those games 
in the second half. And I feel like that's such a big momentum builder here moving forward, not only for this specific tournament, but also for the future for young guys uh, like uh, a Frankie Collins, young guys like Kobe Bufkin, Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate, if they stick around and, and try to play some more college basketball. I think that this is huge for their development. A guy like Terrence Williams, first team, all glue guy. I love Terrence Williams. He might play two minutes. He might play 22 minutes, but you know what you're going to get out of him, and that is a high-care guy who's going to do whatever it takes on both ends of the floor you know, to try to help his team win. But being able to come back and win these basketball games, being able to build on that momentum, I think is huge. Yeah, and I think like we talked about earlier, this is this is just a testament to Jawan too. I, I think seeing the second half adjustments that he made, he was calling more plays in the second half. He slowed down pace when he needed to, but he also tightened up some screws defensively. And, and I think this is what makes Jawan different than a lot of other Big Ten coaches is he's willing to adjust. He's willing to adapt. And it, he does it within the flow of the game. It's not often that coaches will like kind of switch up their game plan as much as he sometimes does at halftime. And, and I think it's good that the players also understand, like these young guys also understand that this stuff kind of comes on the fly. Like these adjustments need to be made to win this game. And while it may not be something we've fully practiced, it's something that we need to do to win. And, and it's people, and I'll give you an example really quick. So, Actually, a couple years ago, when we were playing in Atlantis, for those that remember, uh, we were playing North Carolina. And uh, Coach Howard actually, like, we didn't have any, we didn't have a single day to practice for them because it was the second round. And Coach Howard actually, on the fly, taught us, like, in a walkthrough, a, a completely new ball screen defense that we had never run before in our years prior or hadn't even really seen before. But he showed us how to do it. He made the adjustment super quickly before the game. That's probably a 15-minute conversation. And we won that game by like 15 points using this style. I mean, the guy really knows how to – he really absorbs what other teams doing, takes it in quickly, and then also teaches the kids in short, digestible speeches. I mean, it, it's something that uh, I think sometimes a lot of coaches struggle with, and he does it too, like so well for guys that may need more explanation when they're younger – but when they see when they can make this stuff on the fly, I mean, it, it makes Michigan's potential infinite. I think. I mean, is, I mean, folks, you listening to this guy? I mean, he played for Juwan Howard. He knows what's actually going on in the locker room, and he's telling you right now about how he's coaching the team. It's incredible, CJ. You just put together, you just put to rest like three hours of conversation from yesterday's show. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. Thank you so much uh, for being able to give us that insight of what's actually going on. Right? It's a beautiful thing when you actually have some facts to back up the argument here. I love it. it it's. I mean, I can't get over it. I, it's making my the, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right now. As you look at Michigan now moving forward against Villanova. I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like I say this all the time, and it feels kind of like, duh, obviously. But at some point, your five-star has got a five-star. I can't believe Michigan was able to handle Tennessee the way that they did. Shout-out to Captain Hook Jr., Eli Brooks. I know Xavier Simpson <laughs> and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were giggling somewhere when they saw that clutch hook shot. But I, I feel like we're going to need Caleb Houston to pop his head out and you know give us a 15, 20-point kind of night here. Yeah, and I think what what's good for Michigan is the, is the classic, I mean, Hunter Dickinson matches up very well with Villanova. And I think that when Hunter Dickinson matches up well with other teams, Caleb often has good games. Because the focus is on Hunter. And Hunter can make really good passes out of the post and stuff like that. He may or may not see double teams. I guess we'll see what Villanova does. But 
I think that a lot of attention is going to be focused on Hunter because Villanova is very undersized, and they often switch a lot of ball screens. So if he's setting a ball screen on Colin Gillespie, who's probably, I, I would say, what, 11, 12 inches shorter than Hunter Dickinson, they, they'll still switch it, and that's how they play their games. And if Hunter has an advantage in the post, they're going to need to collapse on him, and then Caleb will get more open looks in rhythm. I think something that he struggles with in big games or when there's a lot of – he struggles when there's a lot of pressure on him. Like, guys are always up in him making sure he's not shooting. But once he gets a little bit of space and kind of sets his feet and really follows through on his shot, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's great. It's great. It's beautiful looking. It's great for the team. It's a momentum builder. So I think the obvious thing is Hunter, Hunter will be able to score a lot against Villanova. But once the attention comes to him and he really is struggling to get his shot off, Caleb needs to be ready to be that guy to be a catch-and-shoot threat um, because most of them, outside of Hunter, none of them are isolation scorers. Um, none of them can really create for themselves, and I think they really benefit from that kind of focus on Hunter Dickinson. And I think, again, Michigan's size advantage will be advantageous to them on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, how is the team going to adjust? Um, I know Caleb and other guys like Musa will be seeing a lot of smaller guys posting them up, which they haven't seen often in the Big Ten. So I'll be interested to see what Coach Howard does and what they bring to the table on Thursday. Last one here for you, CJ, because I get asked this. Uh, I was asked this in my, this this group chat. And the guy goes, Molino, why are they? Why are we running a zone uh, when when other teams can shoot the ball as well as they have been?" It was during the Colorado State game. I was like, "You gotta you gotta really pay attention to what you're seeing, though, because it starts off as a two three zone, and it's a matchup from there. Once the offense gets going, it's like a couple passes in, and boom, the team is just like seamlessly into man to man. It's a very strange look. Can you walk us through what Michigan does there defensively when they look like they're in a two three so and i think you're that's really observant actually i think most people don't notice that um when they come out in a two three it's more of a disruptor um and when i say it's a disruptor it's also like you see them come out of timeouts coach howard mixes it in very well so it's not every time but when they come out of timeouts and the coaches see michigan play man-to-man for most of the game they draw plays for man-to-man and so when those guys draw plays for man-to-man and Coach Howard it comes out and shows a zone, it often scraps what they were running, what the other team was running. They have to change everything. And then when it goes back to a matchup, it's when it's, it's when there's enough passing going around and stuff like that or the ball goes to the middle of the floor, then they go back to this matchup. And that's what throws teams off. It's definitely a, it's like a disruptor for other coaches. And other coaches, I think, have to start game planning for that and have to understand that's what's going on. Because Coach Howard is tr- just trying to get in the head of the other coach, just trying to make them think an extra bit in that timeout where they can't they can't think of what exact play to run because oh they might show zone. And I think that's just a kind of Coach Howard playing chess with the other team. He's saying, okay, if we can steal, if we're Michigan's not the best defensive team this year, but if they can steal possession here or there just by playing kind of little mind games, then they'll take it. So I'll absolutely take that every day is a little stop for the team. And then I, I think that's all he's looking to do is really try to mess with their coaches and kind of just make the players, make the opponents on the floor just try to react to what's in front of them. And oftentimes when you're coming out of timeout, you're supposed to run something specific. And if you go away from that, the coaches often frown upon it. So you're putting the other opposing coach and the opposing players in this kind of dilemma in a literal 15-second time period it's amazing and I could talk about that for a long time about the mentality there but I think 
for 15 seconds, these guys are like, what's going on? And then 15 seconds left on the shot clock, and they have to run something quick that's easy to guard, and that's where we win. Michigan alum, Michigan media member. I love it. His name's CJ Baird. Find him on Twitter and tweet at him. All kinds of nice things at Baird underscore CJ. CJ, my friend, as always, thank you so much for your time today, partner. We greatly appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. And as always, go blue. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.